Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Would you gather around, please? Please, hurry up. Yo, this is Elusive from Arm and Hammer. You're now listening to the Fly Fidelity Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to disturb your dancing and your enjoyment, but the reason for calling you <coughs> this evening is... And this is Woods. Check out our collaboration with the alchemist, Haram. Available everywhere, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Fly Fidelity, credible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 19 with your host, Luke Bailey. On this episode, we speak to the incredible Armand Hammer about their brand new Alchemist-laced album, Haram. Unfortunately, on this episode, we did encounter one or two technical issues during our conversation in which we hope don't dampen your experience too much with this episode. Enjoy the conversation. First, First I, I say, say, what we're we gonna, gonna do. do. Then, then you, you say, say, I don't know, what do you wanna do? What we're gonna do, what you wanna, wanna do. do. You're gonna dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is, is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You wanna get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. Fortification falling away from spaces that don't serve a sacred purge, extracting herbs, smack, knew the song but couldn't sing the words, still up at dawn, shifting forms, new resolve, guns go off, guns go off, smoke and fire, light and sound, my new name colonizers can't pronounce. So where does the starting point for Haram begin and how long had the idea been occupying your headspace? Um, I guess the idea for the album, yeah, if you mean when did we actually start talking about making an album with Alchemist, um, Alchemist approached me uh, through Earl and another mutual friend of ours, and um, and uh, and we just talked about music and, you know, um, I was actually on Fulton and Nostrand, actually, at that Caribbean store, which you shot your video partially in there. Elucid. Where? That Caribbean store, it's owned by Asian Caribbean Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were up in there during the height of coronavirus, no mask on, which um, goes <laughs> for about half of their customers, so it was hard to get too upset. There was no one else in there. I had a mask. I had a bandana. Oh, baby, was the other guy I dove at. Anyway, you didn't uh, wear a mask the whole time. <laughs> I was in there when um, I was in there when uh, I, Al called me, and we just chopped it up. And then our next conversation, we had more conversations, and he was like, "We should do something." And I was like, "Let's do an Arm and Hammer thing." And he was a hundred percent with it because I think his entry point to my music had really been um, paraffin. And then because the next thing that happened was hiding places, that was the trajectory he was on. So he had reached out to me, you know, 
but as soon as I was like, let's do an arm and hammer thing, he was all about it. And that was, um, that had to be like two years ago, a little bit more than two years ago. And, um, he started sending some beats out. We started working. Blood bleeding, sick and shutting, signs and wonders. You don't have to be here if you don't want to. You ain't got to be here if you don't want to. We started this before we started Shrines. Elusa, when did we do the first song? Uh, maybe like the winter of 2019. I think it was early. I went, on, I tour. Was I went on tour in June of 2019, and we had Stone Fruit done. Or, you know, what became Stone Fruit. I had my verse already done for Stone Fruit. That was June 2019, so yeah. Yeah, so really like the spring... Spring was when it really started to coalesce into even doing something and him sending beats. Yeah. I would say spring 2019. So this album started before Shrines, before um, a Lucid solo record with the Lasso, before way before all of those records. Got you. So you start this album pre-coronavirus, which is interesting because you're seeing these powers being exercised over countries on a scale never previously attempted before. In terms of themes, how much did this collective hysteria around COVID affect yourselves in addressing hysteria and autonomy, which are both thematic constants on this album? Um, I, I initially went into this and not wanting to uh, make any references to uh, the pandemic and coronavirus. I think I may have one line referring to that on uh, the small bills record. Uh, like I was doing, I was doing, uh, I was working on Haram and the small bills record at the same time, but I don't think uh, for Haram. Yeah. That wasn't in the front of my mind. Yeah. I, I didn't, that didn't occupy my mind okay. at all. It didn't yeah. occupy my mind I at think, all. I think what, what thing, maybe what you're referring to might, I think that might be a thorough line, a through line between a lot of Bomber Hammer music. But um, I wasn't specifically thinking about that for, for Haram. Yeah, for me, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't play a large role. Once we, especially because once we started and I and and we came up with the idea for the themes, there was so much to explore within those. Um, and honestly, the pandemic. I'll put it to you this way. I'm fully expecting in the next year, whatever, all types of movies and things to come out about the pandemic, and yeah, I yeah. just have no interest already in watching them. It's yeah. already played out. If there's, a, if there's some sitcom about, like, somebody's going to have to really convince me something's good before I start watching anything about the pandemic. It wasn't that interesting as a, from a, from a micro, as a person living it. If anything, I was looking to explore expand my mind outside it i really wasn't thinking let me rap about the pandemic or anything like that i think that there are themes that could apply always because hopefully we're we're making music that's about life of course and the reason i mention covid is because it was flipped into this hysteria which is a constant on this project you know this theme of hysteria and autonomy of course i just wondered if there was any link with that being in mind a fair question too a fair question and if there is a line the same way he said he might have something on small bills i think that there might be points on the brass record with uh with more mother 
um, where some things that maybe are more related work their way into that, but not on this, really. Got you. You mentioned Shrines, which, you know, like this album, has a lot of air and space in these tracks. How therapeutic was it recording these tracks and knowing that, you know, outside of these tracks, you're being suffocated by rules imposed by the government? How important was it for yourselves to break rules as artists as a way to navigate and breathe as artists? Um, I I have a line on Haram talking about you haven't mastered meters, so you must respect it. And I'm not talking about myself. Rhythmically, you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, as as an artist, it's like, yeah, you we you should strive to break the rules, but you should learn the rules first. And I and I think that uh, I think I think that's what that's what we're doing. Like that's what I think Woods and I we strive to like challenge ourselves, and with that challenging comes like a breaking of rules sometime. And that's that's really dope to me. That's what keeps me interested. That's what keeps me. Uh, focused and uh, willing to like continue to 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 do this rap shit, you know, it's fun for me that way. Yeah, I feel for me, you know, it was it was um, I don't know, I didn't, I I can't say that I necessarily felt like the government was keeping me inside. I didn't want to die, but I did feel like um, it was <laughs> it was it was therapeutic for me in the sense of. Um, an ability to be creative for me really does so much for my mood, um, my spirits. I feel like it's what I'm here for. And um, in the midst of this pandemic, to be able to sit down and do a lot of creative things, which I did do, was incredible, to be completely honest. And sometimes I think that's why, although it's it has sucked and it continues to suck, um, feel like mentally I remain in a good place pretty much the whole time. Glad to hear it. I mean, it's very much a visual album that goes without saying, as is the case with every project you've dropped. Um, How do you think your style reflects and amplifies how people receive information with yourselves using this imagery to create a bigger picture and narrative? Mm. Uh, I I personally think that like you know in this in this in this world that we live in and the way that we receive information it's, it's all around us it's on our phones it's in our pockets and you know you, you it's just a constant stream of whatever. Um, Arm and Hammer's music is super like you know all of our references coming from left and right and it's two of us with two distinct styles and maybe even like frames of reference and you know, things that we're centering in ourselves and yeah, it, it kind of reflects the way that people actually receive information, mm. you know, the bars and, and how, you know, open-ended uh, the narratives can be. And there's many different voices speaking in the same verse and then within the same song and then multiply by an album's worth. And it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of, of information. It's a whole lot of sensory information to uh, to take in and it can be overwhelming. And I love it. I love it, actually. Um, I'm the type of person, you know, like, I, you know, people talk about, like, a kind of overload. I think it's, you know, it's interesting, like, people, you know, I have people around me that have talked about, like, social media and, uh, oh, it's so overwhelming, it causes me anxiety or, you know, whatever. It makes you, makes people 
feel the way they have to sign off and they have to let everyone know that I'm not on social media anymore because of X, Y, Z sort of a reason, you know what I mean? And the sort of information overload era that we we live in. But I I, I don't know, man. It's, I, I, I kind of dig it. This is my personality. I require a lot of stimuli. I require a lot of stimuli. I was raised this way and this is kind of where I'm at with it. And I don't know how long that lasts or whatever. But yeah, Arm & Hammer music, you know, it's a lot. It's supposed to be a lot. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's intentionally that way, but this is just how our minds work. You know, this is how we, this is what we produce. And for me, like there's, yeah, of course there's like uh there's effort and thought put behind it, but it's, it's me and it's, uh, it's very natural, you know, it's very natural to put out. It's funny you saying that, um, people announcing their leaving social media maybe think, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it performative or praxis? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, does anyone want to give me their phone number before I leave? Please <laughs> tell me you like me before I go. <laughs> I mean, it's you such your man. Anyway, go ahead. It, go. It's such a dense project. I mean, like you guys are saying, how do you think this work has encouraged people in this moment to engage in discourse? You know, one of the experience of being a human, understanding older concepts. And producing new meanings. I guess for myself, you know, I really when you when I'm doing it, I'm just thinking about how to get to the essence of things, how to make things dope, how to you know just doing it. And then afterwards, I think that the thing for me is I've always I've always found that the that the the works that stayed with me the longest, whether written or films, books. Um, poetry, music, um, oftentimes they're connected to specific points in my life, but the things that, it's the things that actually you can go back to and I've been able to draw from and, ex and experience in different ways as my life has continued that have been the most valuable. Because there's some things that you like, you know, and then you go and you check it and then you're like, well, I still like it because I liked it at the time, but I recognize that there's not that much to it. And then there's sometimes there's other things where you're like, man, I could probably read this book for the rest of my life and come away with something powerful or see some sentence in a new way or aspects of it that I didn't, of a piece of work that didn't stand out to me when I was 20 years old, might stand out to me when I was 30 years old or didn't stand out to me when I didn't have a child, might stand out to me nor now that I have a child. And so right. um, creating layered... Uh, layered work it's not like i'm sitting there and saying i'm not thinking about it at the time beyond the fact that that's what interests me about writing and being creative so it's something i'm doing but um i think that that's something that i value in art that i like so it makes sense that it comes out and stuff that we do and to me that's valuable just because it's valuable to me like i like when i you know sometimes there's there's books or whatever where if I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down. If I said, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch The Wire again. I've seen it several times, but I still know that it's such an incredible piece of work. Um, that when I watch it again, there's going to be something else in there, you know. That's interesting. With that being said, how has your relationship changed with this album the more you guys have heard it? <laughs> I haven't really listened to it so many times. No? No. I um 
I heard it at least, you know, five, six, seven times. And I haven't listened to it probably uh, since the week it came out. That's interesting. Is there a reason you haven't revisited it? Or is that purely down to timing and moving on to the next project? Yeah, it's definitely for me, like always on to the next one. But it's also like, uh, like we've started this in 2019. Like I've heard it a hundred times. I recorded it. I I know the insides and outs, you know? Um, Maybe next year, maybe next year. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just, I, I've heard it. I've done it and I made it and uh, people dig it. And like, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in solo album mode right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in solo album mode. I have listened to it a lot. I will agree with Lucid. I mean, and I'm sure I listened to it even more than him um, um, because he he had a solo album last year too. So, but this was a album that cooked up slowly, and um, and there was a lot of listening and a lot of going over it. Now I probably listened to it, I've listened to it more than him um, since then. But yeah, we we had it cooking for a while. We listened to it a lot. As far as how it's changed for me, I think I'm still too close to really say. What I will say is that always in our records, <clears throat> there's places and where, as we're doing it, I'm like, oh, I see these themes here and there. And then there's places where almost only when we're finishing or when it's done or after listening to it later that certain things start to stand out, you know, or their themes or ideas that jump out that maybe weren't intentional or I didn't realize or um, the way that one verse interacted with another verse, you know, or um, <clears throat> after we finished doing it, you know, and I was heavily involved in sequencing it, but uh, after we finish and really listening to it for a long time now, I really see how the beginning of Squeegee is really where the end of the album starts and um mm. how elucid singing there sets the pace for what's going to the climactic ending of stone fruit etc etc um squeegee taking us out of the squeegee is right after wishing bad yeah squeegee taking us out of this middle part of the album that's more aggressive um more uh, takes us into a more contemplative, a little bit lonelier, quieter space. Mm. A little bit more about, um, it's not quiet, but a little bit more reflective and his singing being a bridge through point through the whole end of the album. And those are things that at least instinctively in my head, although I thought a lot about sequencing and how they're putting together, I didn't think exactly like that. So sometimes it's things like that, too, where I'm like, okay, I see how there's this whole movement that starts right there, you know. My favorite mystery, sensitivity, synesthete, familiar energy, centered knees when winners lean, shaped by the cream, lang lang, rubber knees, that's gang gang, our pancakes were buck wheat, my bonnet pink, that's upkeep, I frustrate, I tuck face, I can't crease, I hold weight, three-fifths water more than one way, he swing left, the sun blink, come play, concrete crumb cake, some stay, some wait.
Well, let's talk about sequencing. What makes this project such a striking body of work is the way these verses seem to seep into the next track so naturally. And of course, it serves as part of this backbone and architecture behind the conversation you're having. Can you talk about the process of sequencing this project and defining these lasting impressions we're talking about? Um, I guess for me, it's when when we're working, I really, 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 I really get obsessive about um, listening and thinking about the project. Um, and so it's an ongoing process as we're creating and as we're doing things where even though things don't end up necessarily where I thought or, you know, what seemed there's connections made and sometimes it's like, all right, well, these two things need to be together unless there's some sort of reason that they shouldn't be. Or this sounds like the beginning. This sounds like the end. Or, um, wow, the way that this music is would really, and the ideas would really flow well into this one. Or not, you know what I mean? Um, There's a point at which uh, scaffolds, uh, for a variety of reasons, it it was going to be after... um, there was a second where scaffolds might have gone into falling out the sky and just for a variety, both thematically, thematically it didn't with the music, it kind of made sense, but the words and what was happening, it wasn't comfortable. So, you know, things get shuffled around. Um, and I think maybe just as a person who's uh, a writer, I and, and very focused on that way of, narrative thinking i just usually am working on it as i'm uh, as we're doing things and i kind of think in chapters and movements and so i'm working on things and for me and elucid it's always been a thing of show me what it is and then we're going to discuss it or move things around and that's what we did this time the big difference was alchemist was involved and and so it was more there was more going on because it was like three people but i think one thing about how we work together a lot of times is it's we're, we find oftentimes that we're very aligned so the same way like elucid and alchemist had more debates about mixes and how things were going to sound and where they were than i did you know i would just follow along and be like all right that sounds cool and i think in terms of sequencing the record that's where me and alchemist had more debates and i had to I had to sell him on some things, but to his credit, he was very, you know, there were one or two things which he was a little bit incredulous about when we started, but he was very much like, hey, I like you guys' records. I'm, you know, I'm not going to die on the hill. Um, And then in the end, we all had something that we all liked and agreed on. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's a it's an ongoing process when the record's happening and then once it's done, that's when you really start finalizing it. And I would say in this record, there was a little bit of a lot of things were up in the air. So it had more of a change at the last more changes at the last minute than normal because Elucid had to return from working on uh, Don't Play It Safe. Don't that's, play it straight in stores. Don't, <laughs> don't play space. Sorry, I'm, I'm smoking over here. Don't yeah. play uh his record with uh his small bills record with lasso he had to finish doing that and so while he was finishing that al and i willie green 
stuff, wherever we're recording, we're laying things down and knowing that there were spaces because we'd agreed on certain things. And so he, we were really waiting for him to come through at the at the very end and lay down a bunch of tracks to sort of, because there were some things where it's like, I think this song is better than that song, but Elusa hasn't done his verse yet. Or I think this thing's going to work better than that, but he hasn't done his verse. So then once he came through in the end and did his verse, it, oh, did a bunch of verses, um, there was a lot of stuff, some stuff that was like, all right, didn't think this was going to be on it, but um, you kicked a hole in that beat, so it mm -hmm. has to go, you know. And same thing again, Chicharrones was on the shelf for dumb long, so long. I, w I was the only person with the verse on that. And then Quelle and the nth hour came through with his. He'd had the beat on him for a while. And um, crazy. With his, and it was so crazy that it was like something else has to go. Um, and I'm glad that everyone else agreed to that, even though it's kind of unorthodox not to have one of us on it. But I never think about that, man. That doesn't, yeah, so long matter. as it all balances out, it's just about yeah. making songs as good as they can be. This is part of like that, that breaking the rules talk. You know, it's not. It's it's not supposed to happen, but fuck it. It's a great song. You know what I mean? Like Quelle's been on, he's been on Rome. He wasn't on Paraffin. So it's just, what second or third appearance on on third. Mark and third. He was on Shrines. Yeah, Freedom. Freedom. I, I slide. Yo, the yeah. funny thing is that I remember when we did Paraffin. I was like, yo, we gotta put your that song. You sent me the song. I was like, this goes first, man. It, Sweet Mickey. Sweet Mickey? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like nobody else can. And I remember um, a couple people being like, after it came out, why'd you put a solo? And I'm just like, it sounds like the first song. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's, if it was right, it was great. You know, and so I know that it's not, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it doesn't really matter, you know, because I remember the feeling of like listening to Liquid Swords and then being like, what? <laughs> I thought that was the Jizza on Bible, right? Also, you know, with with um today I wrote nothing when you had me on Lost. I'm the first voice you hear on Lost Blocks. Yeah, yeah, you know, like too, and I'm like, all that matters is that it works and it fits and it serves the purposes of the record. I don't care otherwise. Exactly. Speaking of fitting, you could easily make the case that in some ways. Shrines is an album almost almost a companion piece to this project in many ways interlinked with each other. Can you speak about those parallels with Haram um, that Shrines has and those links that happened intentionally versus those similarities happening by chance? I don't think that we set out to, uh, to, uh, to link them as uh, companion pieces, but uh, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, that's really interesting, uh, but yeah, I didn't. We didn't set out to make it make it that way, but in in the same way, um, Roman paraffin, we didn't set out to make those as companion pieces, but they were recorded generally the same time, mostly the same time. Um, and here again, we're just kind of like doing both albums at the same time between Shrines and Haram. So maybe that's maybe that's a reason yeah. for 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 the, the 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 thematic links, you know. But it wasn't, it wasn't really intentional. Well, backing up to you talking about transitions just earlier, Elusive. And to be clear, I don't want to interrupt your, your thing because it sounds like you're going to ask a good question. Um, but I just wanted to be clear that it was like 
We worked on Haram, stopped because of other, you know, Alchemist was busy, other things were happening. And so then we stopped and then we were like, while we're waiting, we're, we're you know, we're energized because we started doing this record, we're filling it and other beats are coming in. And then we started working on, it wasn't like we were in the studio and deciding which record to record. Right. You know, we, we, we started Haram, then we had to kind of hit the pause button um, while Al took some other things off of his plate and we had a few songs done. And then we just started rolling um, and did all of Shrines and had like put it out before it was time to get back to Haram. Um, so they, they, they took place in the same time period for sure. And uh, I think like Elucid says, a lot of the ideas flow from one to the other or, or at least are in conversation with each other. The right, two records. Right. But um but they weren't being actually recorded at the same time, you know. No clocks, they break you, you don't break rocks. Watch yourself rot in a box, dirt in your nostril, worms all in your thoughts. A thousand plateaus, a constellation of prisons, an ocean of archipelagos and algorithms. Voices in the ventilation float different. Full cold call collect sound like long distance. The jack keep clipping. You mentioned transitions just earlier, Elucid. I was wondering if backing up you could talk about that and tell me how, between yourselves, you came to choose the clips from films for these transitions. Oh, I think we all had a hand in like choosing what became what. Um, Woods chose a lot of the, well, all the film, the film quotes, yeah, Woods? All the dialogue. Some of those were out, and some of them, like the Aubergine stuff was, he had already put in the beats when we got them. Mm-hmm. Right, like the aubergine conversation. Um, so dope. Mental, mental health stuff had, was already in there. In where, there. Uh, some of the other, some of the other movie things, I got some, he got, but yeah, I, I, I picked some of those, and you know, go ahead. And then I think I, I focused on more of the the, the nonverbal kind of sounds you hear, like the the screams. Uh, the revving motorcycles, uh, the uh, the nails being um, pounded into the coffin, uh, just all the nonverbal things. That's the that's finer the, details. The finer details, you know. Uh, I'll piece it together, you know, marvelously. Um, yeah, but it was just the conversation, you know, just Al just being into Arm and Hammer music for what it was, and not trying to change it, and being like, well. Let me just come into y'all world and not change anything. And that's just what we did. You know, everyone put our heads together and shout out Willie Green uh, for like manning all this and putting it all together for us. But yeah, um, it was everyone had a everyone had input on um, these transitions here. Nice. Nice. Bring it back to Aubergine. It's an important track, man. I mean, a lot of people didn't know, including myself, about Shark Hole's work and legacy. Can you talk about Shark Hole's work and legacy for those that don't know? You got to call the alchemist. <clears throat> he, put, he put all that stuff in there. That was in the beat, yeah. That was in the beat. Uh, that was in the first That's track. already in the beat. Yeah. yeah. There was more stuff around, the, because that original, the, basically there, that song was one of the first songs we did, and it was longer and had more stuff happening, and then we changed the second half of it 
um, when I came in, that's what ended up changing. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting song to put together, but I can't give you too much insight into, um, into that work. In fact, now I need to go read about it when yeah, we get you off. You do, you do. It's, uh, he was an right, interesting but, uh, guy. Okay. All right. I believe you. Was, so was there one alchemist beat that stretched your mind and approach creatively because you didn't have the luxury of being comfortable, you know, outside of your comfort zone? Is there a single beat that you listen to the most times out of these 14 joints because it was so unconventional? You, because, of course, the Great. vision you wanted prior wasn't what he gave you. You originally wanted him to do alchemist. Great question. I mean, I don't know if I wanted him. I hadn't thought about it. You know, if somebody that that you've known their music for that long and they're that big comes to you and is like, hey, I want to work with you. You're kind of just excited to see it. It's only once they start sending you things that you realize, oh, I in the back of my mind now I realize I was expecting X and I got Y. I didn't have something that I wanted him to do. It's just that you realize once you start getting things from somebody, you're like, oh, I, I thought it was going to be this, and instead it's this. But I, I was digging what he was doing. Um, but I'll let you – I know which beat it is for me, Elusive, but go ahead. Uh, you're asking about um, a beat that I guess I listen to most or something that really challenged yeah. me? Exactly. Um, the idea was pulled you out of your comfort right. zone. I think Stone Fruit. Which was early. That was recorded in one of the first sessions. Um, I heard that beat, and I just saw fireworks over a river, and everything kind of came from that, like pretty, pretty quickly. And that's when I saw what I thought this project could be. Uh, for me, like that flow, that you know, my vocal intonation. Uh, the subject matter, I was just like, oh, we're on something really new and ill. And, uh, this is, this is the path. And, um, I think we, we, we succeeded. I think we succeeded. I think we accomplished what, um, I thought that we could do with, uh, with Haram. But yeah, I think that was the one that the beat that was, uh, uh, for the song Stone Fruit was the one that set me off. That really, for me, like, that's what, uh, that's what lit the fire in me to uh to 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 make haram yeah i mean that was definitely i agree um an early early on it was a great song where i was like all right now now i know that we could do something great here because um and even when i played it for uh for um me and al's mutual friend he was like he listened to all the other songs at that point we had three or four joints you know and i was like playing them for this person who's, you know, in the music industry a long time, and I really respected their opinion. And it was after that when he was like... You, you, need love, you love saying that. He said, you need more joints like that. That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, he was like, you need more joints like that. And I was like, okay. That song is special. Because I thought it was special myself. Um, but that one I would give a lot of credit to Elusive because not only did he pick the beat, but he started off and did um everything that he did that really set it up and then the funny thing is that that was a verse i actually wrote pretty quickly because i was in the midst of a lot of things were happening and I, that that was very immediate and real to me when i wrote that verse 
Um, so although I think it's one of the best things I ever wrote, it was it was pretty fast. I think I wrote it like overnight. Nice. I edited it the next morning and went to the studio. It was fast. Laid it down. It was probably one take. Um, I was really in the in the zone of where those emotions had come from and everything that was going on. So, um, but I give him the credit for that because he picked the beat, he set it up, he sent me his thing singing, and I was like, "All right, I tell you what I need to do." Um, as far as for me, I would say uh, it didn't take me a long time to write, but I do feel like Pepper Tree was something where. I heard something, and then I just really felt like, man, yeah, let's try it, man. This is not what I, you know, in terms of stepping outside of comfort zones, I mean, I, I very much jumped into it with both feet. I don't even think Alchemist thought that would be a song. I think he thought it would just be a weird interlude. Lucid didn't want to touch it, and I just jumped in with both feet and recorded it, like, the next day. Crazy. Um, so that, that, that was one that I didn't listen to a lot, but did require me to stretch and push myself and not be afraid also. Were there many tracks that had different early formulations for, such as Roaches Don't Fly? Was there ever a point where Billy was going to be on that track? Were you ever going to be on that track? No, there were songs that are what you're talking about. Um, but no, I was never, I was never going to be on that on Roaches Don't Fly. It came a little bit later. I'd say Aubergine would be the first one that would come to mind. Um, uh, some of them are things that didn't end up on the record. There's a couple records that we still have, um, that might've changed form a little bit, um, yeah, aubergine is the first thing that I that I would think of. Uh, I don't know what else. You know, there were one or two people who we thought would be guests on certain songs and it didn't happen, or like everybody knows about Giraffe Hunts was initially going to be on this, then it ended up on the More Mother record, things like that. But as far as stuff that actually is on the album, I would say um, aubergine went through a bunch of formulations. How does Wishing Bad come about? Uh, I'm not really sure. Where's you, are you familiar? I'm not sure how yeah, it came I'll about. Send I, beat, I love that beat perfect. off the top. Yeah. And, the beat uh, was picked. I know I wanted Amani to be on the chorus, but that came later yeah. on. And yeah, I, offer, I, I I told Castro, you know, he was like, yo, I wanna, I'm trying to get on this record, and we wanted him on the record, and he came over, and so I played him a couple joints. And, of course, being Castro, he tried to be like, well, let me record <laughs> something for these three. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Just pick one song. And um, he ended up picking picking that one, um, and he got us his verse back fast. I actually I had written mine and recorded mine first, um, but I did. That's one that I rewrote several times, and... I had a, it took me a while to be happy with it. Um, and, uh, and that also fits into the category of um, songs which were kind of on the fence because there's some other good songs that didn't make it, you know? Um, and I wasn't sure they were going to make it. And then Elusive came through and kind of kicked the buildings over 
on that finishing verse, so it was a no-brainer, just like Chicharrones, you know, where you're like, all right, I like this other song, but it's got to go. Are we likely to hear those songs that didn't make it? Is there talks of a sequel or an extended edition? There's this trend right now, of course, with deluxe editions. Have you guys talked about a deluxe edition of Haram? Well, ALC Records is, you know, they're known for doing that, so I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, at least one of those songs pops up. And then there are a couple other things. Um, obviously, Giraffe Hunt's already found a home. And um, there are a couple other things Elucid and I will surely find a home for. There's definitely a couple joints I really, really like. It was, you know, where you're surprised that they're not on the album, but you don't have a good argument of how they'll get on there. So you just do like, all right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're heard eventually, yeah. I don't want to lose control, but I can't cramp my space to grow. Comfort's but gets us through. I got so much left to undo. And at what point does this cover come into play during the creative process? Did you know you wanted to use this photo for the album cover at the beginning? When does this cover come into play? It kind of harkens back for me to when rap album covers were dangerous. Ooh, yes. Uh, I'm not sure when this came about, but I know Alex, the photographer Alex Richter was in the Philippines and... um, he came back with these photos, and when we saw the photos, I think we were already already started the record, yes? Oh, no, the record was, I told him what we were doing. It's funny, actually. Um, I told him when we were doing, when we started this, and then when we were doing Shrines, and he was like, well, I want to do both covers. And I was like, nah, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I said, pick one. <laughs> he's a great one. That's hilarious. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know, like all of us, competitive, uh, really dedicated to his craft and wants to, you know what I mean? I, I can understand it. If like somebody was like, oh, do an album with Mad Lib or with Alchemist. It's like, come on, man, why are you doing this to me? But um, he was like, all right, I want to do, I want to do one of them. And then um, he picked this record and, um, which ended up being great because you know we we found a great uh, we we found a great great cover for Shrines I think, um, and so there was a while of him exchanging. We'd have conversations. We're friends, and we'd have conversations about the work and what he thought, you know, what sort of stuff we might want to do. And then the coronavirus also jumped off, which made it, you know, okay, we're Alchemist isn't going to be here. We're not going to shoot, you know. We're probably not going to shoot all of us somewhere. So other ways of thinking about it. And he was just sending, he's a prolific photographer. So he was sending a lot of stuff through from his archives. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, when I saw that, when I just said, this is it, you know, there was a bunch of stuff that he had shot in the Philippines. And I just saw that one. And, um, cause there was a bunch of other, you know, stuff from Jamaica. Um, some of which ended up in the CD. There was, um, stuff he shot here, ideas he had for shooting new stuff. But when I saw that, I just felt like this is it. And then I was just hopeful that 
um, Lucid and Alchemist would both be for it, and they immediately were. I mean, I know that it seems like a... I really didn't think of it in a shock value way. I'm just looking for the cover that's the right yeah. one. I mean, of course, I recognize that it is in some ways shocking, even to somebody who's used to seeing, you know, dead or dismembered animals. Um, but it was just clear to me that it was the right cover in every aspect. Yeah, yeah no, it definitely reflects the work on this project. Was there a dialogue after Peter reacted to the cover? Just, just surprised, you know, especially because it's like, that's the moment when you realize like doing stuff with the alchemist uh, is in different level of visibility. Um, like I think Armin Hammer was definitely after shrines was our peak in terms of visibility, but still collaborating with the alchemist, put it on another level because there's no way, you know, nobody said anything to us. The NYPD didn't weigh in about our picture of Ming, the tiger, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Nobody's really concerned. So, um, it, yeah, it's a different, it's a different level. Which is another interesting idea because honestly, the idea that the albums, both albums, would have animals on the cover did not even cross my mind. Right? But nonetheless, an interesting juxtaposition and so forth. True, and of course, there's the link with Tiger King last year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was a that was a surprise. I mean, you guys have been talking about collaborations, of course, throughout this entire interview. Let's talk about the collaborations you recently brought out with Brass and, of course, Small Bills. Are you able to talk about those projects a little more in depth for those that don't know and haven't heard those projects? Oh, I guess uh, for Small Bills, man, it's a, it's a totally different lane from Arm and Hammer. I work with a, a multi-instrumentalist genius, uh, The Lasso. He's out based in the Detroit, Michigan. I think he moved. He's out in Michigan right now. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I love, I love all, all, all genres of music. Well, not all, but a lot. I like a lot of genres of music. And, and he's, he's a Prince, he's a Prince fan. So we have the funk in common. You know, we were in Detroit. You know, there's a, a, a huge, like a deep lineage of, of, of funk music in Detroit. We're talking George Clinton recording at United, Sly Stone. You know, there was a lot of stories of George Clinton and Sly Stone right around the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of conversations as we were uh, recording the Small Bills record, you know. It's a lot of crazy, crazy stories about those dudes and uh, abandoned mansions and stuff. But yeah, I think the Small Bills was just an outlet for that sound that I that I grew up on, you know? Um, also, like, guys like Talking Heads, you know? We, there's a, a big 80s sort of uh, angle and to to the music as well, and um, he was able to give me that, that sound. Like, I grew up in a family of musicians. My dad played the bass. So these are all groups that I grew up hearing. And, um, yeah, it's just a, just a, a, a new chamber, that I wanted to uh, to indulge in, and we've got something else coming on the way. Like there's a, there'll be a part two at, at some point. But Great yeah, I, I need to get that off. I need to get that off. You know, uh, looking over, you know, my discography has always been just kind of like an exploration of like many different types of sounds. But when I was really doing that, making those sorts of like uh, mixtapes and things, you know, it was just things that I heard and I would just take and I would chop up and sample them. But now it's just like a core producer who actually plays instruments and 
I'm able to like articulate what exactly I want and boom, here it is in front of me, you know, and I love the process of making this, you know, I recorded it in Detroit, um, partly at his house. And then partly we just got some big house in Detroit. We just rented a house and, um, I brought people up. Kiana was there. Malachi was there. Kiana sang. Malachi played keys. Jordan was there playing the sax. And it felt like like summer camp a little while, you know? Mm. We would just wake up and do what we do and then just go ahead and make music all day, all night. And uh, that's how the album got recorded. And I love that experience. Um, so yeah, small bills. Small bills. Don't play it straight. Please go listen. <laughs> Um, as far as brass, I think what's really great about the record is, uh, it's really, there's a lightning in a bottle aspect to it. Um, it's kind of an unexpected collaboration that makes sense after you hear it. Um, there's a lot, a lot of really, really talented people involved from Alchemist, Preservation, Olaf, um, Messiah Music, um, uh, Child Actor really shined out on that record. Navy Blue as a producer and as a rapper. Um, John Forte, um, um, the guy More Mother brought in from, oh man, the name of the band is escaping me. But just, there's a Makami, um, Fielded, uh, yeah. There's a there's there's all the poets. There's a there's just a there's a lot of really talented people involved, and I think there's an aspect of it. Wolf Weston, how can I forget? Where it's just like lightning in a bottle. Like a lot of those people may never all be in the same place at the same time, and everybody was hitting, and um, uh, it was a fun, if kind of crazy, project to put together and somewhat quickly, and then. Um, it's really good. It's really good. It's really strong. It know? is. And and, um, and I think it's very like I said, lightning in a bottle. It's unique. It's it's um More Mother I think has one of the best just pure voices in rap. Um and I think we both have very distinctive voices and bring different things to the table. So um it's cool. I, I I I just think on that on that level alone, it is worth checking out. It's not like any. It's not like any other record that anybody else is doing or that you heard or whatever. We're talking about very much a singular project for yourself, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. For and for and just just period. Periods, I don't of know course. If that sounds yeah. like that or or goes in that direction. There aren't a lot of artists. There's no artist who's like more mother. And I'm not sure there's an artist who's really like me. And then when you add in all of those other people and sounds and the moment in which it was made, yeah, I just think that it, it's a special type of vibe, which isn't going to come up on anybody else's indie rap records. Last year, this year coming. You need permission to have an issue with me. I'm not privy to the stories you live inside. A home of all history, I just spend the rhyme. No mystery guard, deepest look inside. Thick fog of the channel, random, pseudo rambo, bad camo. Armed to a T as a tango. Let the brains flow, ball headed kango. Televised game show, strange soul, raw scam. I ain't a rolling shavasana, hop up, working on my posture. I'm a slap box, Judge Mathis and Judge Wapner. Hot stuff, crock pot all rocked up, lockstep. Everything for sale except for the scale props. 
So what's next for yourselves, both as solo artists and as Armand Hammer? Uh, I'm in solo album mode. That's uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, there's also uh, a Small Bills album waiting in the wings to be recorded whenever I make my way to Detroit and, and knock that thing out. Um, so yeah, that's that's where my head is at. Um, there's also another project. There's also another project. I, I just kind of, you know, I love to have a few irons in the fire um, at all times. And I've been working on this record with um, this dude named Gang. Um, I've been working on this record probably around the same time we started Haram, or maybe even Shrines, Shrines probably. Yeah, Shrines, 2019, late late 2019. So yeah, I've been working on a record with him just kind of coming and going. Um, that'll find its way out. There's another record. <laughs> yeah, talking about this just kind of jogs my memory. Um, there's a record that will be out this year. Um, it's a solo record of older, older elusive material recorded 2000... Seven, eight, nine. So it's interesting to like listen to those records from back then to uh to contrast with what uh what's happening right now. It's a great record. It's produced fully by uh Vaughn P. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a full record. We we did this way, 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 way back. And uh I always wanted a home for this record, but things started, you know, we did the record and then I don't know, I just kinda went in a, a, a totally different direction musically. I was finding all sorts of new inspiration and then I started making records with Woods and yeah, I just kind of just like left it. I forgot about the record actually. And then when the label, a label called, it's like, yo, let's, uh, we want to put this out. Uh, and Vaughn knew these folk and I trusted Vaughn and yeah, it'll be out. It'll be out, um, before the year is out. Sure. Um, yeah, I am not going to be able to give you any type of a boon of, uh, information like that, unfortunately. Um, I have some other stuff I'm working on, um, creative things. Uh, I don't have a record really in the works right now, you know, I have like one or two songs kind of done and also have a lot of, um, have a lot of responsibilities uh, this year as far as um, projects we're putting out on the label that I'm involved with. Um, some pretty closely in terms of A&R and doing things like that. So um, haven't gotten too far into anything. Nothing solo related has even progressed beyond a lot of talking and one thing. There's one song that I really like. But, you know, it's mostly other than that, just been lots of talking with people about various things, but nothing actually happening. But lots of things happening at the label that I'm are taking up my time and some other creative endeavors that are taking up my time. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with them. What about the future life of this album, Haram and visuals? Can we expect more visuals from this album? Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, Several. We got slowed down by just trying to get people vaccinated before we move around on it. But um, yeah, we we definitely have some things cooking up both immediately and in the near future and in the long future. Um, I really am hoping to do another streaming show. We had a good one with Shrines. Um, That support is really great for artists who 
are not yet able to tour and um, just planning to make it something, you know, really, really worth everybody's time visually, mm-hmm. sonically, some unheard material. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get into that. Um, I'm really thankful that we had the Sir Benny Miles video good to go um, because it's a tough time to get these things done. And I knew one of the other, uh, I knew one of the other things would be pretty, uh, one of the other videos was going to be pretty involved and it's a little delayed right now, but it'll be worth it when it gets here. And we got some other stuff coming. It's going to be great, I think. Took the haze to church, frankincense and murder. The whole thing was a blur. Laughed at first. Niggas politics absurd. I ain't even answer. Just let the weed burn. Unconcerned. Spray and perm. Arm and hammer, haggler and hern. Shorted them like Ben Stearns. It's not an aberration. It's how it works. Chuckle at the investigation. Niggas is nerds. Cook the books with the book words. Iridescent blackness. Is this performative or praxis? Are we talking about practice? I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh oh, you're wrong. (laughs) Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. My people thought you whipped me where you were.